When I ask teachers what their biggest classroom behavior management challenges are, most of the time I'll hear some form of low-level behaviors. That's because for so many teachers, these behaviors sit in this really difficult gray area. They're annoying enough to completely derail a lesson and stop the learning for everybody, but they're not quite severe enough to warrant a big response, a response where you can follow some kind of process. They're the behaviors that stop the learning, they're the behaviors that make you just want to chuck in the towel and just run screaming out of the lesson sometimes. It's the talking out, the calling out, the tapping, the funny noises, the disengagement, the coming late and leaving early, the whispers, the chatter, the laughter, the blatant no to your requests, all those really little frustrating things that you can't quite grasp onto sometimes. Well, this episode takes you through my own journey of learning how to not just address, but actually mitigate and reduce these behaviors. And of course, I'm going to guide you to do exactly the same thing through a few of my top non-verbal classroom management strategies. Welcome to the Unteachables podcast. I'm your host, Claire, and I am absolutely no stranger to the challenges and let's face it, sometimes carnage of being a teacher. And if you found yourself here listening with me, I'd say that you might know a bit about that as well, because being a teacher is freaking hard. And this podcast is dedicated to making you feel a hell of a lot less alone, whilst giving you the knowledge, support and strategies that you need to not just survive the chaos of being a teacher, but truly thrive. Think about it as getting a weekly dose of relatable, actionable, and most importantly, enjoyable professional learning straight into your ears. So hit the subscribe button, download me for your commute, and let's get into it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Unteachables podcast. I'm having one of those days, right, where I've literally clicked the record button and stopped and deleted and all of those things a million times. And I think it's because I'm, it's Thursday afternoon here at the moment. I've just gotten home from work and I got back from Australia on Saturday morning. Um, it was an amazing trip. It was really nice to see family and friends, but it was just really full on. And then to kind of not be able to get over the jet lag and get straight back into work and dealing with the third trimester now in pregnancy. And even though I am so happy and I can feel her all the time and it's really exciting, it's also come with like a whole bunch of new struggles in itself. Um, so at the moment I'm trying to sit in a very comfortable position because she's pressing up against my ribs and it's not very comfortable at all. So anybody out there who's had a baby and has been a teacher and does all of this, like hats off to you because I'm going on very early mat leave and I've only got one week and one day left. And I don't know how anybody goes up until 40 weeks. It's just wild. So big props to you. But it also meant that, yeah, it was very, very hard to sit down and do this podcast today. And it's been really hard to kind of get my brain to work to be able to do this podcast. So the thing I'm going to say to myself is that I'm not going to like have any stopping. If I make a mistake, if my brain's not working, you'll just have to listen through it because what I'm going to talk to you about today is very relevant and I think that everyone's going to find it really, really beneficial. And what I'm going to be speaking about is those dreaded low-level behaviors. I would say, yes, it's definitely the number one complaint I hear from teachers and they are particularly challenging things because, you know, you just can't really follow any process for specific low-level behaviors. And there's so many of them, you can't quite quantify them. And if you were to document them, if you were to write them down, if you were to try to address them individually, there are just so many nuances and there's so many micro moments in a classroom. And there's so many key players to add to that vibe and the culture and the experience. If you were to try to write that down, you'd be writing and responding literally all 
day because all of those little things, all of the little things that add up together to make it really, really hard to teach. The problem is when teachers seek support for these behaviours, they're also is a bit of a shoulder shrug. Like I don't think um, leaders are overly confident either to know what to do in these situations because, again, like it's just so hard to nail down what's actually going on, even though it's so incredibly difficult. Um, so, you know, to overcome these barriers and these challenges that you're facing, you're not getting a lot of support for those. And obviously that's why it's such a complex thing for us to have to deal with as teachers. And you can't really give advice for one particular thing. So somebody says to me, what can I do? Because little Johnny over here is throwing things at people again, or Claire, I just can't find the time um, you know, to manage these behaviors. The second I start trying to teach, there's all of these students that start talking. I can't give you advice for those specific things because there's not one thing that can be done. That's why it's so challenging. There's no one easy answer in direct response to that because you can't treat low level behaviors by giving a kid a consequence. You can't overcome the barriers of these behaviors by doing anything about the behavior itself. You can try, but you will spend the entire lesson writing names up on the board for wishy-washy, subjective reasons. Um, You know, you'll be calling out names, you'll be nagging at them, and all of those things actually make low-level behaviours worse. So where to actually start? Well, I wanted to start by making you feel a bit less alone if you're experiencing these things and take you back in time to my own reflections on how I felt about and how I dealt with low-level behaviours in the past. And I'd love to hear if you relate to this in some way, shape or form. So make sure you do drop me a message to my Instagram after. I love having these chats with all of you. You always remember the feelings the most, don't you? Like in every single situation, that's why they say like you always remember how someone made you feel, not necessarily what somebody said. So I just remember like that immense pressure when I was first teaching, this immense pressure to perform, to get results, to prove that I can control these 30 students in a class. I have control over my class. I have control over what they're doing and learning. Um, You know, you've just spent tens of thousands of dollars on training and your eggs are in this basket when you first start teaching and this is it. So I just remember feeling that like pure fear and doubt. What if I'm not cut out to be a teacher? What if I couldn't get the results? And it felt like it was always going to be an impossible uphill battle against these low-level behaviors, and it made it so hard to get through anything. On top of that, there were like kind of those in-the-moment feelings that came with low-level behaviors, and I still feel these today, of course, but I'm much better at managing low-level behaviors and mitigating them. But when low-level behaviors are happening, and again, let me know if you're the same, but like there's this franticism, there's this urgency you have a lack of control. Um, you know, you know, it's like, like chatter, throwing things. You get up back on the board and everyone starts listening and you start your instructions again and there's a little group that pipes up and just another annoying thing after annoying thing that makes you want to scream and throw everything on the ground and walk out. I don't know if anybody else has literally felt like walking out in the middle of a lesson because of low-level behaviours. I'm actually going to do a poll on my Instagram the second I post like second this podcast airs just to see if everyone's felt the same way Um, because there have been moments in my career where the low-level behaviours have been so severe, that's a helicopter going past, Um, they've been so severe that I have wanted to just chuck everything on the ground, walk out and never ever come back into the classroom because they're so overwhelming. 
Okay, that chopper's gone now. That was really annoying. I'm so sorry. So how did I approach them then if I'm feeling like this? Because all of these behaviors, they bleed into our actual teaching practice. They destabilize us. They dysregulate us. And they really do make us kind of on shaky grounds about our own abilities. They make us uncertain about what we're doing. Well, I really was erratic in the classroom. I remember barely breathing. I would flap around to one student after the next. I'd raise my voice over the chatter, just desperately trying to teach them and get through the lesson. Despite the fact that what I was actually doing is teaching over the noise. All I was doing is teaching over the chatter and nobody was listening. And the students who were listening could barely hear a damn thing anyway. So it's incredibly counterproductive. Um, you're, You're teaching to no one and it's the most ineffective thing you could possibly do. But my beliefs were also rooted in this idea that these students didn't want to learn. They were just taking the mick. They were being selfish in their behaviors. And I needed to do something about that. I needed to take control back. So, you know, I'd write their names on the boards. I'd put endless strokes up on the board representing minutes until there were no more minutes to write up because it exceeded the amount of minutes that we actually had for break time. I'd be putting big crosses next to their names, you know, but it doesn't help when you've got half the class on the board and some of them find it a bit funny, a bit of a game. They're showing off in front of their friends, having a laugh, enjoying me actually respond to these behaviors and seeing my frustration grew and grew and grew over the lesson. Um, So those were completely ineffective strategies and it took a hell of a lot of unlearning and relearning for me because I had to realize in order to change I had to realize that my approach, the approach that I was taking there was the antithesis of what I needed to be doing. Uh, I had to do a hell of a lot of unlearning. I had to stop doing things and falling back on things just because they were natural for me and present in my own experience of school. And of course, then I needed to relearn something. And what I relearned was, you know, it never is a magic wand. There's no magic wand, but this is, I swear, the closest thing to a magic wand that I could find. And it forever changed my practice. And since then has helped me help so many educators as well. It was almost like a switch. Obviously things are very, very different for me now. Um, And yes, for that switch to happen, I had to take a lot of ownership, which was the hardest taking thing to do. Yes, Apple podcast. I'm still clean. I don't think I've spun once on this podcast so far, which is very good for me. Um, So yeah, I had to relearn what it was to actually manage these behaviors. I had to relearn what these behaviors actually represented, what they were. I had to change completely what I did with these students, how I viewed these behaviors and how I viewed these students. I'm actually going to give you a bit of an overview of a couple of these things now, but If you want an actionable step-by-step detailed roadmap to actually changing your experience of low-level behaviors, my masterclass about harnessing your teaching superpower, about nonverbal classroom management is where it's at. All of the details that you need, all of the strategies you need, all of the roadmaps you need are in that. Um, And this is just for people who are listening in real time because the live masterclass sessions air on the 27th and 30th of November. So if you're listening past that date, just be aware that that's closed now. And I'll talk about that a little bit more later anyway. So what can you do? What was this switch? What was this magic bullet? Well, it's not one thing. As I was saying, with low-level behaviors, there's not one thing particularly that you can do. There's not one approach that you can take with, oh, that student's doing this, so I'm going to have a look in my handbook and I'm going to be ticking that off the list and doing that one particular thing because it's literally every single thing that we do. 
I am going to give you a few nonverbal nuggets to take away, um, but I need to first recognize that what really shifted everything for me was when I realized that it is everything that I'm doing in the classroom. It is all of the messages that I'm sending nonverbally. It's all of the little you know, micro moments for me in the classroom and only I can change that and take control back of that. And I learned this stuff through initially through a training called Envoy and that became the foundation of my understanding around nonverbal communication. So many of the things that I talk about are rooted in Michael Grider's work on Envoy. He is just like the master of nonverbal classroom communication and really harnessing that to you know, mitigate these behaviors, but also getting the best academically from students. So a lot of what I talk about are rooted in his work. Um, but then over the last decade, I've honed and adapted that. I've added different pedagogies to that, different research to that, and just through my own trial and error in working in different contexts and environments over the years. So all of these things are kind of an amalgamation of those few things. So the first little nugget comes with the story of, of course, um, I had the top year 10 class at the time. I did that training and I absolutely adored this class, but they became the class I struggled most with behavior. Why? You know, they were the class that were top English. They were the class that were on the right path. You know, they, some of these kids were, you know, going to be ducks of the school. They were going to be top of the school. The reason why I struggled with them, looking back now, well, there are two kinds of nonverbal approaches that we can flip in between in teaching and both have a very important time and space, but we need to balance them. They're called credible and approachable styles of nonverbal communication. So what was happening in this class is because I was trying to be a little bit more like adult learning with them or relaxed with them, I was leaning more on the approachable, the friendly, the casual and the chatty side. And this was because they were the top class and they were super, super chatty and loud. And without me holding the reins and leading them, they were just all over the place. It's not that I wanted to be their friend. I really did want to build that rapport. I really did want to treat them. Um, I shouldn't have done this, obviously. I wasn't experienced as a teacher. I was inexperienced in, in building rapport with those students. But I just wanted to make the environment maybe a little bit more adult for them. I'm not sure. But a few examples of what credible and approachable look like. So, for example, approachable, I might have gone in and I might have said, okay, everyone, look up at the board. I've popped up what we're doing for the lesson. Jot it down in your books. I'm going to give you three minutes to get that done. Okay, sweet. So the intonation in my voice is very different than the credible. I might say, if you draw your attention up to the board, you'll see your lesson objectives for the lesson. I'm going to give you three minutes to write those in your book before we get started. So you'll notice that not only the language is a bit different between the two, but the intonation is different. It isn't welcoming further discussion when it's more credible. It isn't inviting silliness or playfulness like the first one with the approachable. It's steady, it's slow, it's calm, and I'm mirroring them the vibe that I want. I'm being a credible teacher, whereas the credible approach kind of, I'm sorry, the approachable approach <laughs> kind of fluctuates and rises and falls, just like how I'm chatting to you now. I'm chatting to you in a really conversational, approachable way. And there's such an important place for this, obviously. Then what else goes along with this is your actual body language. So an approachable teacher is bouncy and bubbly and uses a lot of open and friendly hand movements. And that was really hard for me to rein in because I'm a very expressive person and I do big expressive movements with my hands. But if you're wanting a calm environment that reduces low level behaviors, you need to practice stillness. 
So the second I did this training, right, I remember I was lining them up outside and instead of being myself, which is like flappy and like I, I am that kind of like approachable person, I tried adopting a more credible stance, a more credible voice, and it felt really unnatural for me. And it was weird. It felt weird. And the kids even said to me, Miss English, what's wrong? Why are you acting like this? Like, what's wrong? Oh, is everything okay? Are you okay? Bless them. They thought that something must have been wrong, like my cat died or something, because I was so different. But they very quickly fell into line with what I was needing them to do. It was like a magic bullet. I couldn't believe it. Usually, because I knew that what I wanted to do from the beginning is kind of line them up outside, get them calm, not in like a, you know, kind of regimented way, but I wanted to get them calm before they walked into the lesson. It never, ever worked. But this time, all of a sudden, they walked into the lesson with me barely saying anything at all. They sat down quieter than I've ever, ever seen them be in my life just by changing the way that I was standing, speaking, waiting, and breathing. And that was the first time I tried the strategies I learned in that training. That was the first time I consciously tried to manage my nonverbal communication and it was like flicking a switch. And of course, you need to practice this. Of course, I failed numerous times. Of course, it felt unnatural and I had to, you know, go back to the drawing board with things and hone it over my career. So it does take a lot of work to hone these strategies, but even just be by me kind of swapping the credible and the approachable around, it really was like day and night. And I just will never, ever forget the stark difference in those approaches and how these students responded to it. It was amazing. So we really do need to strike that balance between times when we're approachable and relaxed of course, like a story time, like there were always times where I'd have like a space in the classroom where I'd put my legs up on, I'm sorry, I'd sit up on a table and I'd, you know, put rest my legs on a chair and I'd, everyone would know, oh, it's story time with Miss English. And I'd read them something or I'd talk to them about something. And I was more credible, I'm sorry, more approachable in that moment. So there are just many times where that's really important, but we just need to be aware of it because when we're aware of it, then we can use it as a tool, a pedagogical tool. And it is so, so important. Then we can extend the idea of credible and approachable and really bring those concepts into the rest of our practice. As I said, the trick to addressing low-level behaviors is literally in everything that we're doing. Already with that credible and approachable, you're sending out messages to your students that they're there for the learning, you're there for the learning, Um, but what if they're still not coming on board with it? What if they're still being your beautiful little headaches and doing all of those low-level behaviours? Well, I'm just going to tell you a couple of things. I do go into these in more depth and detail and strategy in the masterclass on top of many, many more things, and I apply these to three very specific roadmaps, and those roadmaps are setting a class up on independent work without all the chatter and disruption, which I know can be a massive thing for teachers, Um, bringing a class back from whole class chaos when you're really trying to get them to come back to, you know, individual instruction after coming into a class after lunch, or maybe they've been in um, groups working, that can be really challenging. And then putting out the individual spot fires and actually addressing the low level behaviors if the other strategies haven't worked. So I always ask myself, and I want you to always ask yourself and try this next time you're in the classroom is what I am asking of my students right now in alignment with or contradicting the messages that I'm sending to them through my body language. So for example, if you're expecting your students to be quiet, but you're talking over them, you are never going to get them to listen to you because sometimes we're shooting ourselves in the foot 
by not mirroring our expectations and it totally undermines our own efforts. So always remember, is what I'm doing right now contradicting or reinforcing what I want my students to do, the expectations I have of my students? Another thing leading on from that is pausing. I know that sometimes waiting for complete silence before you start to give your teacher-led instructions feels like an absolute eternity. But as I said, if you don't wait and you talk over the low-level behaviors, you are giving them the message that whatever you're about to say isn't important. They don't need to be a part of it and it doesn't matter. So pause, wait, be still, use that credible stance up straight, looking around the room, breathing, being still. If you can use a hand up and wait for everybody else to put their hand up, if that's your thing, eventually they will become more efficient. They will become better at knowing once you will be able to hold that boundary with them. So I know it just feels like a million years you have to wait sometimes for a class to come back to you once you're doing that pause. But I promise you, and I've got some more strategies in the masterclass for that as well, because it isn't just straightforward. Like, okay, I'm just going to wait for you. It comes with all of the pedagogy around the body language, the stance, where you're standing, how you're standing, all of that. Um, But it is super important to pause and wait until that very last student is listening to you, is waiting, is ready to learn. But what if there is that one student who may just be fueling the fire after everybody else has come on board? So just imagine you've finally gotten all of these students listening and ready for your teacher-led instructions and there's just that one student just as you start talking that pipes back up and derails it again. I would always try the pause again first and see that if if that regulates them, I just pause and kind of look at them and wait. Sometimes if you do this mid-sentence, it's really effective because it kind of pipes people's ears up and goes, oh, what's she doing? But if it's continuous and this doesn't work, I use something called the P's to be. Again, I go over these a lot in detail in the course. Um, and if you're in my That'll Teach Them course, you'll have a general idea of these already. But since then, I've actually extended it to six P's in my new masterclass training, but I'm going to go over three main ones now. The first P is pace. So just imagine that you've waited for silence, you've waited for students to be listening, everybody's listening, everyone's doing the right thing, but then you've got one student who all of a sudden chucks something across the class and is laughing and, you know, trying to have a chat to somebody else. The first thing is pace, approach the students slowly. If you rush over, what will happen? Remember, if we're wanting calm in the class, then us racing somewhere will model something different. Just imagine you you have the class kind of working independently on a task. If you're walking around really quickly, that destabilizes that calm environment. Always low and slow, which is what I always do when we're trying to model that calm. The next P is position. So once you've approached the student, position yourself next to them in a way that's non-confrontational, usually crouch down next to them. Our whole mission here is to regulate and calm so we can teach and reinforce our expectations of that. If you stand above a student looking down at them, that is going to dysregulate them. And that low level behavior could very quickly escalate into something that's a high level behavior with them screaming and banging and, you know, running out of the room. The last P that I want to talk about is private voice. So if you are needing to address any kind of behavior quietly, 
speaking a whisper, this is going to reduce the likelihood of you getting into a battle of egos with that student when they feel like they need to respond in a certain way because they're the rest of the class is listening. So they're always going to want to like protect themselves. When you're using a private voice as well, it also enables you to give some really clear, concise instructions around their behavior and then move away. So you don't have that push to have to get things resolved in the moment. You can just give instructions, quietly give instructions, do that in the most credible way possible, and then move away and hope that things do die down. And if the rest of the class are coming on board with your nonverbals, if your nonverbals are really strong, then this will start to shift behavior in a way that won't cause escalations. It can be so incredible and it does take practice though. So please be aware of that. The important thing to note is that these strategies, the approachable versus credible, the pausing, the P's, I use these every single lesson as a an embedded part of my pedagogy. These aren't something that I deploy just when low-level behaviours approach. These are something that you use as a part of your craft, like it becomes who you are as a teacher to use these nonverbal strategies, which is why they're so powerful because it becomes a part of your practice. And then every single lesson, you don't have to think about what you're doing. You're already mitigating a lot of the behaviors that you're seeing because of how you are in the classroom. And again, it's a really big shift in our minds as teachers to realize that the way that we are in the classroom actually has so much power in what our students are doing. And it takes a lot of courage to admit that because of course we can't control our students. We don't have any say in what their behaviors are, but we certainly can influence them through the nonverbals that we use and through other strategies that we use. So I use these every single lesson. It is a bread and butter of how I address most things. And once you get this in your arsenal and once you've started to hone this, I obviously no one's perfect at it and I'm never going to be perfect at it. We're human beings. Like some days I go in super dysregulated myself from something that's happened. Um, maybe it's because I've got jet lag and I'm super tired, but of course we're human beings. It's not always going to be perfect. But once you get this in your arsenal and you have started to hone this and craft this, it is your golden ticket to really starting to master classroom management. Before I finish up, I also want you to consider something else about low-level behaviours. It took a lot of unlearning for me to consider. When it comes to students doing things like tapping and shuffling about and fiddling with equipment and not able to settle, because I get a lot of those things. When I put a, a question out and say, what are you struggling with? A lot of this stuff about fiddling and shuffling and tapping comes up. Um, what we need to really consider is what's actually going on for that student and what do you think they're trying to do and what need are they trying to meet? Are they actually being difficult for difficult sake? Are they actually displaying low-level behaviours because they're, you know, just trying to have a laugh? Like get a bit curious and dig deeper into it because just because something is frustrating to us as a teacher because we're trying to teach, it does not mean that that student's actually doing anything wrong. In fact, children are designed to learn through movement. So depending on their age and their individual sensory needs, some students are going to struggle immensely with sitting still in a chair. I mean, I even doodle in my book when I'm listening. Like I, I struggle when I'm in a meeting with somebody to listen and to be attentive without doodling and doing something with my hands. And I mean, some autistic students describe sitting properly in a chair as a deeply stressful and physically painful experience. So we really need to shift our mindset away from movement being as this like annoying inconvenience and something that we just need to plan and adapt for sometimes because 
this is really important that we see them as needs rather than a purposeful act of non-compliance, which is what they're not always. Of course, sometimes they're having a good old laugh. Sometimes they're just not listening. Sometimes they're mirroring what you're putting out there. Um, There is an absolute myriad of reasons why these low-level behaviours are occurring Um, just as long as we're aware of that and we know what we can control and what we can't control. And I think there's a lot that we can control as teachers in the classroom. And that is absolutely empowering in situations where, I mean, low-level behaviors, I don't think there's anything more disempowering than low-level behaviors when you don't know what to do about them. Oh, so wow. I can't believe I got through that without stopping and then re-recording. And that was a lot of information to take in in one episode of a podcast but it really is only a tiny fraction of what I teach in my upcoming masterclass, Harnessing Your Teaching Superpower, Nonverbal Classroom Management. And it really is a superpower, which is why I'm so passionate and so excited about this topic. Like I can't even tell you, it can bring a teacher back from the brink of feeling hopeless and frustrated and wanting to walk out and quit because of these relentless low-level behaviors. I mean, I felt the same way. I just didn't want to be in the classroom because they were so difficult to manage. And it just totally stops you from doing what you got into the profession to do, which is teach. So it was me. And these strategies and this approach has been has made me the teacher I'm so proud to be today. And I have been there's been such incredible shifts in teachers that I've seen as well. And I know it can work as magic with whatever challenges you're facing too. So this is something that I'm all for teacher empowerment. I'm all for teachers having the skills and the strategies to do the job they are passionate and, and want to be doing. So this is something that I'm so excited to put out there for you. But my main hope is that whether or not you can join me for the masterclass is that you've got a few things to put in your pocket now and try out for next lesson because it is a journey and it takes practice, but oh my God, it's so worth it. Um, If you do want to be a part of the masterclass and join me, I have popped the link in the show notes. You can also just find all the links at my Instagram as well, if that's where you kind of hang out with me as well. Um, And the early bird is, I have extended it for another week. So that is now running until this Sunday. Of course, you're not going to be listening on the day this is released necessarily. Um, so please make sure you check the dates on my website or the show notes just to make sure that you're in the right time zone and space. Um, you can also bundle the masterclass with my full training course that'll teach them and get both for 30% off. Again, all the details are in the show notes. Um, and I don't discriminate. This is for teachers worldwide. So if you feel like you have to be in the UK for this, um, you don't because it's live. You can watch the replay no matter what time zone you're in. And it's also relevant for any context. This is just human being stuff, like nonverbal stuff. It's just human being stuff and working with human beings. And that has come to the end of this podcast. I really, really hope that you've gotten something from this. And please never forget that no matter what challenges you're facing in the classroom and how you're handling it, you're just doing the best that you can with the tools and the skills you currently have We are on a constant learning journey as teachers, whether we've been teaching for two seconds, two years, 20 years, whatever. So just always remember that. And I really hope you got something valuable from this podcast. And if you did, as always, my doors are open. Come over to Instagram, say hello. I am always stoked when somebody comes over to my Instagram and pops in and says that they enjoyed the podcast or they got something from it or it reinforced, you know, their own values around teaching or it taught them something new. So it makes me really, really happy to hear that from you. So my Instagram is the.unteachable. So please come over and say hello. 
And that's it for this episode, lovely teachers. I hope you have a really, really good week. I know that November is a really tough time for teachers, isn't it? It can be really quite straining whether or not you're in the Southern Hemisphere kind of winding down for the summer holidays, but also simultaneously have a million things to do to kind of tie off loose ends and do reports. Um, And obviously everyone starts to get tired. And here in the Northern Hemisphere, you know, things are getting a bit dark and cold. So please take care of yourselves. Have a lovely week. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Unteachables podcast, teacher friends. If you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you did, please make sure you head over and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single one. A little review would also mean a lot. And if you're a teacher just wanting to suck the classroom management knowledge and strategies straight out of my brain and pop them into yours, you can join my comprehensive professional development program that'll teach them today at the-unteachables.com. And because you listen to my podcast and you're a little bit more special, you can use the code podcast20 for a special 20% off enrollment. This training, I promise you, is truly transformational. Find the full link to this and other goodies, including a special freebie in the show notes. And finally, if you're wanting to reach out and say hello, please don't be a stranger. You can head over to my Instagram where I hang out the most, the.unteachables, and pop into my DMs. Until next time, teachers. Thank you.